to Essentially You and Friends, a special edition podcast offering you impactful conversations with the world's best coaches, influencers, and change makers. My name is Mark Mathia, and this week I'll be speaking with Lucy Ayers, who's the director at the Sustainable Change People Limited. Her specialty, positive psychology, and spark resiliency, how to change and get stronger through trying times, something we can all use. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm here today with a special guest, friend of mine and friend of the firm, Lucy Ayers. Lucy is a coach um, who actually coaches worldwide on subjects like change, resiliency, and how to get stronger uh, as you go through trying times. Seems very appropriate that we are sitting here today to talk about this. She's also someone who's very uh, informed about a program that started in England called Spark Resilience and has done some work to adapt it um, to uh, France um, to, and, and worldwide so that it can move beyond its original origins. So Lucy, welcome to The Edge. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. Well, it's great. We met in a cohort on positive psychology. By the way, I'd, I'd be remiss to say, Lucy also has, you have your master's of science in positive psychology, correct? I do. I do indeed, yes. yep. So, so when I need to know something about positive psychology, Lucy is someone I love to connect with because um, we always get in the coolest conversations and coaching support. And one of the other things that struck a chord for both of us is just this time as we're coming out of the pandemic and this, this thing called resiliency. And, and, and from a positive psychology coach, it's like, how do we help build resiliency before we need it? But then it's like, what do we do once crisis hits or once challenge or change or whatever we're moving through? Lucy, would you mind giving a little bit of background um, about yourself and um, how you became involved with uh, resiliency? Okay, yes, I will. Thank you. Um, well, so I grew up in an international background, um, lived in France and grew up in inter literally grew up in international schools. And I was always passionate about communication and communication with people we don't necessarily automatically understand. So I went to standard university a, a long time ago and studied what we call psychology as usual, i.e. not positive psychology. And I was interested in resilience already then, but obviously it has a different, a different meaning in standard psychology when you're looking at the problems and the trauma and everything um, that can come behind it. Um, I moved on to coach and have coached um, a lot of leaders in very um, complex and interesting environments. I've coached people in planes and, and, and inter you know, interesting things to be doing. And then I discovered positive psychology and this was sort of like, this is where I need to be, this is the answer. So I did a master's in positive psychology and um, since then have been, you know, consulting, training, coaching around positive psychology and set up a, a company um, with a business partner who comes from a very industrial background, manufacturer and so on. And we've sort of been looking at how positive psychology can come and help leaders in all sorts of environments. So I've worked with CEOs of companies that are listed on the, the you know, stock market. And I also work with people, and I, this is volunteer work, with people who've suffered domestic violence. And all of them, the one thing I come back to is always resilience. It's always, this is what's gonna help us. Whatever we're faced with, 
my first go-to is resilience because so much is fed into it. Um, and a second one now, which I guess we, we might talk about another time, which is from an organizational point of view, I'm quite passionate about psychological safety. Um, yeah, that, that's great. And subjects that we're familiar with here as well, Lucy. Um, Lucy, you, you mentioned a program that you were involved in and you helped adapt different languages and that was Spark Resilience. And one of the things that caught my eye, because, caught my ear at that time was you were talking about how we get stronger from challenge. How, how do we actually make the best of it? And can you give a little history on uh, the Spark Resilience, how it was formed, what problem it was solving and, and where it's at today? Yeah, absolutely. So Spark Resilience was um, end of 2000, I think 2009, and was developed by Lona Bonnewell and Lucy Ryan um, for teenagers in rough areas, in schools in rough areas of London. Um, and it was to, you know, see how supporting their resilience could change their academic results, because it's one of the pillars of positive education also. Since then, it's it's moved um, sort of worldwide because there are there are programs in Japan. There are you know it, it really has travelled a lot since. And the most interesting thing is there's regular research that's being run on it. And the latest paper during the pandemic, it was rolled out with a, I think 380 people. You know, and and research was done in that context. So. I was involved, yes, in adapting a couple of the versions um, for different environments, different age groups and so on. And I work with it or I work based on its model in organisations with managers, um, teams. You know, it, it's really, I, I guess I'm so used to it by now that I can, I play with it. It really is, it feels like playing with it wherever I go. But the idea of Spark, Spark's an acronym is that for any situation, we have our own perception and that's what's gonna generate our affect, our autopilot, our emotions, yes. which in turn will have a big impact on what we do on our reaction. And we'll walk away with some knowledge, which will then support us either to grow or keep us in our thinking pattern and, and not let us move away. So, you know, typically when you, you sort of can't change your mind about something, you're stuck in, in something. So it, you can use it in everyday life and you can use it in the face of adversity because everyday life has adversity. Um, and we know that now more so than ever. Yeah, one thing that the pandemic has done, Lucy, is it's, it's brought in the world together. Um, mm -hmm. We all share this common threat. And, you know, here in the States, one of the things that's happening is we're, we're shifting models, right? So we, we were in facility. We sent 80% of our workforce remote. We had to get used to that. So that was a big change for the company. Mm -hmm. And now coming back out of it where we're starting to say, hey, I think there's hope on the other side of the pandemic, yet you still are going through another change because then it's like, well, what's next? Am I going to be, you know, do I need to come back? Is it safe? What am I going to do? So you have that layer of uh, psychological duress that is just kind of on top of everything um, because change is inevitable, right? And, and while we're trying to maintain flexibility and we're looking at the data in terms of what Gallup and other polling sources are telling us, 
and our own internal resources in terms of our pulses and 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 collecting data and, and we know that you know it's about 50 50 of how people want to proceed coming out of the pandemic how can life look like and so organizationally it, it, it's a little bit stressful but then you have this season where we were withdrawn from each other where people connection didn't actually happen and 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 now it's coming back into this world and and that's intimidating and so you know we're seeing mental health become an issue gallup reported that well-being for the first time has kind of diverged from um engagement so it used to be that high engagement and well-being kind of paralleled each other and they mirrored and they were good partners but now all of a sudden we see well-being going down and engagement going up and so there's some cause for concern when you think about resiliency and when you're working with organizations what might benefit an organizational leader i mean how would it benefit us to know about resiliency and 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 what should we be thinking about or doing in order to make sure that we're intentional about strengthening it okay so the first thing is what you said is is so true because there's been this pandemic and it's been definitely change it's been more difficult for some people easier for others to to adapt and i'm talking without the trauma i'm i'm not even going into those who've experienced trauma because we do have to be very careful about what we're talking about yes but even the people who you know who've just experienced the pandemic and most of the rest of their life has managed to to stay together they've kept their job their family safe Amongst those people, there were, that everyone had to adapt. Then there are those who've suffered terribly and are worn down from that. And then there are those who actually grew in that phase, but are now faced with the other change, and we're all faced with the other change, but going back out there, meeting people again, interacting, in ways they've sort of become a bit, there's a sort of layer of, of would-be social anxiety that's, that's sort of settling. And the research is showing us that there is no one route, which is making it incredibly difficult for leaders and for managers because they don't know what they're faced with. It's not there's this problem and, and we're going to resolve it this way. There is huge complexity. Um, and where resilience comes in and resilience, as I'm sort of talking about it now, so it's the ability to bounce back, but also to bounce forward and create this sort of buffer around you that's going to make um impact softer it's going to give you more time to see it coming and that's that's essential too in this this context and so resilience is here is is a lot about the mental flexibility we can develop how we can adapt adapt in our own you know in our own thinking but also socially to a degree because you know, I might be talking to someone I might have loved being on my own and talking to someone who absolutely wants to get back out there. And if I'm managing them, you know, there are a lot of things happening. There are demands on me. There are demands professionally. There are a lot of things going on. So it's managing to recognize how we function, what our cognitive traps might be, recognize how other people might be on a different um spectrum of thought and then how we can communicate how we can best because we know that the one thing that does impact well-being and hence um can, can impact performance massively is positive relationships and it's not the number of them it's 
the quality of them and the quality of them one of the main things we have with developing resilience is our ability to communicate better and to understand others and make ourselves understood and then the emotional management side but again not only emotional management but developing positive emotions how can we use the positive and what can we do that will maintain respect for ourselves and for others in response wherever we're at emotionally and and then finally what can how can we grow from this if we're out of a bad situation what can we learn you know what tools do we have if we don't see it what tools can we just lay on the table and go i'm going to pick up this one and try it because i know you know i know that help research shows it experience shows it this is what's going to help me and i think the final thing is this all has to be blended in seamlessly to everyday life otherwise nobody's going to do it and yeah. that i think to me is a sticking point and, and my company is called the sustainable change people because i think one of the most important things is how do we make this live beyond sharing the tools um for it to last for it to benefit people without coaches without trainers you know after the learning being there to hold their hand they need to be empowered with it and i think that's an essential part of it's certainly one of the things i work very hard at and i'm quite passionate about yeah well you you said that so well and now our managers know exactly why i asked you to come talk to us mm -hmm. lucy when when we when we think about this i know dr robert bishwa diner um told us both and, and we had one cohort where we were talking about emotions and he was really clear and, and and he just said, look, they're not good or they're not bad. But what you were just talking about was almost being able to step beyond your emotion in crisis to just analyze. So don't ignore the emotion, recognize the emotion. What's the yellow flag? What's it telling me? Make a plan and then begin to move on. But I think that that um, where coaching really comes into play and where where real good managers, it's it's that ability for that moment to recognize an emotion for just that emotion. It is communication to yourself that something is going on. What's it saying? What do you need to learn, glean, and grow? And then how do you proceed forward beyond that emotion? So, so I, I, I picked that up in your language. And oftentimes, I know from my coaching experience, it's that. That's the hinge point, right? How do you get mentally beyond just looking at it? Now, what, what's interesting about the resilience and, and how you present it in terms of spark and how it's been adapted is it gives us a pathway, a method or model um, to kind of follow. Would you mind sharing us what that model is um, and, and how uh, as a manager or even individually for myself, how can I use each component of that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So as I said, sparks an, an acronym. So it's the situation, perception, affect where it was autopilot, it's sort of what's happening emotionally, but on an automatic level for us. Okay. R is the reaction, it's how we respond, and K is the knowledge, it's what we learn and how we, how we grow from this. So in a given situation, for example, a manager has um, a conversation with someone that maybe they're not looking forward to, um, even if it, even if you're in the preparation stage, let's imagine the preparation stage. So the situation is a conversation, you know, a difficult conversation is planned and they happen and we know we have to have them. Let, let's be honest about this. Let's not just go, everything's brilliant. We'll, we'll make every conversation great. We won't. Right. So you've got a difficult conversation. So that's the situation. 
the perception is am i going to do this is he going to hate me and this could be one perception there are multiple perceptions and there is not one that's right but it could be you know he's going to hate me he's never going to you know work well for me afterwards how am i going to do this that's going to generate a feeling an, an emotion which could be something like I don't know, close to inappropriateness, I'm not good enough, shame, you know, I'm not, because I've said to myself, I'm not good enough to handle this, I'm, you know, this is not in my perception that came in. So that's going to generate my emotion. So I might then just go a bit cold and try and be very directive, that's my role, so I'm just, you know, clinging on to straws if we're, we're in real life, but my reaction might be that. And then it probably doesn't go too well because of, because of all this. And my knowledge is just reinforced. I haven't actually learned anything. I can carry on round in that cycle. And the idea with Spark is that at the P, the A, the R, and the K, we have tools. So in the same situation, what can I do with my perception? How can I see it differently? Do I, do I know my cognitive biases? And that sounds a bit like a technical term, but it's, do I know my thinking patterns? Yes. And to become aware of them. And I know that I typically stress. So what if I say to myself, this is an opportunity. What if my perception is this is a great opportunity for this person? I've got this difficult conversation, but it's a great opportunity. I'm going to be able to support them. Then my feeling, my A, my autopilot is going to be, you know, excitement. I'm going to be looking forward to this. My reaction is I'm going to be open and sharing and, and hopeful and chances are that conversation will go a lot better. So my learning will probably be, my knowledge will be, you know, I can do this. I can support people in a difficult situation. And bit by bit, I end up having a reputation for being that manager who can help people through rough patches. And all that, is, it just hangs on perception, but we can have a negative perception and not manage to change it. So then how do we regulate our emotions? Yes, you were saying we need to acknowledge them. They are a message. But what's the need behind it? Am I talking to the right person to need, meet that need? Can I meet that need myself? Then we have the reaction. How even if I haven't managed my emotion, I'm still furious. I'm still very anxious. How can I communicate? What options do I have so that my reaction remains respectful of myself and of others? And then if I, I'm still in that negative cycle, how can I sit down and learn something from the situation rather than just stay in my loop, which we often find ourselves doing? And sometimes it goes around a bit like those old, um, you know, ventilators before air conditioning that used to be certainly in Europe on, on the ceilings and they go around really fast. It can yes. sometimes look like that. And anyone who's had children knows that can happen with toddlers. It's typically, you know, that point where you end up screaming, going, go to your bedroom. <laughs> You've been yes. around it a number of times. Um, and it's it's learning basically to recognize the steps and what you can do to step out at each of those steps, know where you are, how you can step out. Nice. So, so the method is really a method designed to help control the downward spiral of negative emotions. And if another technical term, would it be amygdala hijack? I mean, oftentimes when our emotion takes over and keeps us in that spiral? Yes. The only... Um, caveat I'd put on that is we start before the emotion, we start on the perception. So often you're, where you're absolutely right is it's the emotion that tells us something's happened. 
But effectively what happens is we work a lot and it's the most mature part of the process. We work on our, our perceptions, which can then before we are hijacked, then you're quite right. Yes. Um, before that hijack, we can we can tip it and go, okay, this is that perception, but is that a good perception to have? No. You know, is when that policeman's walking towards me and I'm starting to go, oh my goodness, what have I done? It's it's stepping in before and going, he may be walking right past me. Yes. Do you see yes. what I mean? It's yes. we get it's not just the emotion, it's not only that hijack. Before that, there's our perception. Yes. And I know emotions, and that's why we don't so much use the word emotion, but we use affect. Emotions have that cognitive and physical aspect mixed in. So it's but for the tool's purpose that we're looking at that perception beforehand to be able to just be able to manage where we're going emotionally. It's not to take away our emotions. It's to, it's to know what, where it's taking us and what for, and certainly to be able to respond in ways we won't regret. Yeah, that, that's excellent. And Lucy, when, when you think about being proactive and intentional, before you get to that downward spiral or the amygdala hijack or the mental breakdown, whatever we want to call it, you're saying really quantify, really think, really be thoughtful about doing that. Our people might know that as front side of the model um, because we always try to change our thinking. We have a back side of the model, which are negative words that kind of cause that spin. Front side of the model just open us up to maybe more of what's possible, what, what could happen. What, are, what would be two or three tips, tricks, or best practices managers could put in place to help make sure that they're having a healthy approach to hard conversations or to change or to problems or whatever it is? Is there, is there anything that you, you would recommend um, for a process or a, a way to, to be mindful about this? Absolutely. And what I'll do is sort of illustrate a tool at each of the stages. So on the perception level is knowing it being that just the awareness that our perception is just perception. Okay. It is nothing. There is no, it, you have to be quite humble, I guess, but there's no truth in it. It's our perception. And so we have to, it, it's like clothes. You have to try on lots before you decide the one that's going to fit you. Yes. And is it useful to me? And this relates to, to Lucy Hone's work. And one of the questions is, is it useful to me? Is what mm -hmm. I'm doing helping or mm -hmm. harming me? So that's on, on the sort of perception. But then you can also look at Seligman's um, explanatory style. Sort of is what I'm looking at, is it permanent? Is it pervasive? And is it personal? Yes. That can help on the perception stage. There are lots of little, little tools or big tools um, we can look at there. In terms of emotions, there's the emotional management, and there are a lot of techniques that we know. There's breathing, there's mindfulness, but we know we have our own emotional management techniques. So it's going, what is best known to us already? Because change doesn't happen by jumping to something, however good it is, however good mindfulness is, the research yes. shows it. If it's not your thing, you won't do it. And also, if you don't have time to learn it, you have to learn it and practice it, but you yeah. have managed to manage your emotion because otherwise you'd be in prison somewhere. So we have techniques. So what do we already have? How can we grow that in terms of emotional management? And then also we know the positive emotions help undo the negative effects of negative emotions. So sometimes it's not the right moment, especially in an office, especially in a conversation. 
So we might just sort of help undo that negative emotion and move on and then process it. It's not saying I'm going to deny it. We don't want to box it, deny it, hide it away or anything. But yeah. it's at that moment, not everything's appropriate. And that's real life for us. It's just the way it is. The next step on would be, okay, in my reaction, am I... Is what I'm saying, again, going to be useful? And how can I communicate with this person so that they are communicating their need and I'm communicating my need? We're looking at what our needs are rather than bouncing off, I'm hurt, I've something's been said to me. So, you know, in, in a situation where you recognize the emotion, then the need, and then you go, that person cannot meet that need. Why, you know, why am I even trying to get them to? They can't or they won't. And sometimes that's the case, but you can also find out what their need is. And sometimes it, a lot comes to light when that happens. Or it might just be, I am that stressed that I need to ring per someone who's going to give me some information or someone who's creative, but it's knowing who to ring in what circumstance, because we always ring the wrong person most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> We ring that one same person, poor thing. I always feel sorry for them. Um, and then in the knowledge, there's a lot to do with growth mindset, which I'm sure are things that, that you know are talked about. But growth mindset isn't that simple. It's we talk about it a lot. And actually implementing it mm -hmm. takes coaching, takes training, takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. But you can just write a list of what you can control and what you can't control because resilience is about getting back into action. And we get hung up on things that are outside our control. So, you know, that, that, that K part, A tool can be, okay, in this situation, I'll write a list of the components I can control. Yeah. And that yeah. links into that explanatory style and say, what's personal? What can I impact? If it's not something I can impact, you know, where's my energy going to go? Because, you know, I can't do anything about the weather, but I can take an umbrella. And the result will be different, especially if you're a woman going to a television interview and you yeah, just talking from experience there. But yeah, that's a, you know, it's I can um, take an umbrella with me and now my checklist when I go traveling umbrella tick. Um, it avoids that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, uh, Lucy, that that that's just um, great advice at every stage. And what I really heard you say is you have to be proactive about it. And, uh, you know, we're a strength-based company, so we focus a lot on what's right in each other. But, you know, when it comes to crisis, when it comes to challenge, the hardest thing is don't wait until the crisis to begin to use the tools and techniques and things that your knowledge can bring to you. And it's why we're always trying to train and to coach and to work on things like strengths, on interventions like gratitude lists or you know whatever the 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 it could be for mindfulness is another one that that's been helpful in my life i know it's not for everybody but whatever your thing is then you have to practice it and get good at it and set it in motion because what happens is instead of peaks and valleys it levels it out so that you're 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 not going to the high highs and the low lows but but there's more of a mid range you're still feeling all the feels right i don't want to give up the feels i like the feels no, but yeah. But it's important to just get ahead of that. And the best time to learn resiliency is when you don't need it. It's the best time to date it. It's the best time to get to know it, get to know her or him. And when you do that, then when you're in crisis, 
you just fall back on a different pattern of behavior that can help you psychologically move forward a little bit more with ease. And, and that's important. Um, when helping others, and, and Lucy, thank you so much for your time. You've been so generous. When we're managing other people, and this is a big topic, what, what should leaders avoid when it comes to helping other people be more resilient? I mean, uh, so we know what to do, but what should we avoid doing? So what we should avoid doing is tell people they're wrong. <laughs> okay. Because they have a perception. So yes. the, where we we completely lose connection, and that connection is essential, is when we tell people the way things are. And we think we're doing well, and we all do it. It's like nobody, nobody can say this doesn't happen to them. It does. So you're right. It's it's an ongoing work, and we we talk about muscles. It's like muscles, resilience, like muscles. You you develop them, but it, once you've developed them, the same as if you go to a gym and develop your muscles. If you do nothing, they will go. So it is an ongoing work, but it gets easier and easier, and you see the benefits more and more as you go. So it sort of then blends in to who you are and what you do. And I think the, the main mistake is telling people how things are rather than asking how things are. Mm. And then bearing in mind that what they're saying is perception, it's not an attack. Their perception is generating a lot of their feelings. What are they doing from that? And how can we support them You know, to learn from that? It's always sort of, it's questioning around the same things rather than telling. I think one of the main mistakes because we all feel guilty, you know, if we've made a mistake or we feel we're not doing our best and then we, then, then the manager walks down the hall right? and you're like, oh my goodness, I'd rather not talk to them. The last thing that's going to help is being told what we've done wrong or what we've done effectively, even what we've done right. It, it, we need the questions. Mm, that's so rich. Um, I took a ton of notes. Um, what I just heard there is don't tell, but get curious. Yeah. yeah. Um, I heard show empathy, understand mm -hmm. their perception is their perception, not your perception. In strengths world, I always tell them that we view the world through the lens of our own strengths, but Absolutely. we can't assume everybody views the world the way we view the world. So hopefully mm -hmm. we're really set up to be show empathy and then look to how can you learn from the situation? How can you grow? That's the, that's what, boy, this conversation is really horrible, but what if it goes really well? Then what? Um, it's different questions that we can ask just to get the thinking to a higher level, but always curious, always curious in those moments. Wow. And it takes courage as well, I have to say. It does take courage. It does. Because self-awareness takes courage. There are bits about us that we'd rather not examine. And, and when we're looking at resilience, we're looking at some of those bits. Our perception, typically, when we roll it out with groups, or I always have to say to people, this is not the most polite bit, so we have confidential <laughs> agreements. And yeah. the perception can sometimes, you know, it doesn't show us in our best light. But once we know it, and we can work with it, and then we can play with it, then it's, you know, and, and we have tools to make it fun rather than go around looking as if you're you know digging into your brain every two minutes the idea is to make all of it quite easy and fun to roll out in your everyday so in comparison to muscles it's like we learn to take the stairs instead of the escalator 
Yeah, well, fantastic. Well, Lucy, this has been an excellent conversation about resiliency, about spark resiliency, about tools and tricks, what to avoid and what to do to help us. I'm so glad you're safe. I'm so glad that you're an ally. Thank you so much for uh, your work um, with me, um, uh, our continued friendship. Uh, thanks for um, chiming in from France. That's super cool. And, um, you know, we just wish you the best and, and look forward to um, getting to know you better um, and learning more about how we can become a more resilient workforce. Thank you so much. And thank you for your, you know, your input and, and, and for having me and, and for the conversations, this one and others. I've really, really enjoyed every single one of them. Thank you. Well, back at you. Thank you. And now it's your turn to get out there and rock your work so that you can love your life. Not every job is going to be your dream job. I get that. But if you use your strengths every day and you know your stuff, the sky is the limit. If you like what you've learned, would you consider subscribing to my iTunes podcast and leaving a review? I'd sure appreciate it. And until we talk again, know this. I'm cheering for you. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye.